Hi everyone, you are listening to L&D Spotlight, a podcast about learning and development brought to you by Nifty Learning. I'm your host, Liz Stefan, and together we're here to learn about L&D. I have with me today Diksha Hegde. She's recently been named as one of the 30 under 30 in the field of learning. She's been in people development for a few years already, starting her professional journey in HR consulting and then working in different internal roles in L&D, talent management, and similar fields. She is currently a talent development manager at Get Your Guide, where she works on onboarding, employee engagement, culture, and more. She's seen different facets of how we can support people in their growth and believes in a holistic approach which is actually one of the main reasons why I invited you to record today. Just a very brief intro. We met during the Learning Technologies Conference in London, where we had a dinner with some of the people in the community at Offbeat. And I was very impressed by your, I, I, I want to call it dedication to the purpose of the L&D role. This is the thing that impressed me the most, because I felt that you are the kind of L&D professional who understands why we're doing this and you're also making every effort to do it the right way. So here we are. One other thing which I will ask about a bit later in our conversation is I also think that you're very committed to your own development and I think this is a very, I guess, healthy approach to being an L&D professional. If we're supposed to help people develop and grow, I think we can set a very good example as L&D professionals to be committed to our own growth. So thank you so much for agreeing to record and to be on the show. Welcome. I am very flattered by how you're introducing me. I definitely don't want to come across as some kind of expert who's seen it all and done it all, but I'm very happy to discuss what we think the L&D role could be and where we can take it. I guess we can take this conversation in a couple of directions. I think one of them would be, I really want to get your opinion on why is it important to have an L&D function and what purpose does it serve? And then obviously we will go a little bit into how the L&D professional can fulfill this purpose more effectively. What's the relationship between L&D and employees? My opinion is that employees are the internal customer of the L&D professional because L&D is a support function. You're supposed to be there to help people achieve certain goals. And then I also want to ask you about your own growth. You know, what keeps you interested and engaged? What motivates you to learn and to improve yourself? So let's dive right in. What are some misconceptions about the L&D role and what is actually or should be the goal of L&D in the business? All right. I think you touched upon an important point about the the customers who are L&D's customers. And it's really tricky to define this because the people making the decisions and the ones who can spend money are often not the learners themselves. So I think L&D professionals are very empathetic about who their learner is, and they usually put in every effort to meet the needs of the learner. But it's not as simple as a business selling products to its customers, because we do also have the leadership and the the people running the business who have a lot of influence on how L&D works, how many blockers they can unblock, how much they support learning in the organization, and how much influence they have on the direction of L&D. So 
I think it's not so clear cut to say that employees are the customers. Employees are definitely the end users, but L&D's purpose is also to support the business. And that's why I think L&D needs to improve a little bit more on how we understand the business and what direction that company is heading towards. So I would say that one level of L&D's purpose would be to better understand the business that you're serving. And that means not only understanding what your subject matter experts do and why they need a training, but also as a whole, what is the strategy, what is the purpose, and what different teams in the organization are doing towards that purpose. Because this way you can also start to speak the language of the business and get buy-in from senior stakeholders. And then you don't have as much of a struggle in proving impact because you already understand what levers you can use to prove your impact. I think that there are situations where L&D doesn't have access to information or isn't invited in the circles where the business strategy is discussed. And I'm wondering how can someone get access or how can someone put themselves in a place where they start uh, understanding the strategy, the business, the space? Who do you speak to? Do you just Google stuff about your company's domain? Do you go to the leadership team? What's the best way to get a crash course in what the company is doing? Definitely depends on the culture of the organization and how much they push this idea of transparency on the strategy and on the, at least the mission and the purpose is usually pretty clear. Every organization has a vision and a mission that's communicated widely, but in terms of this year's strategy or this quarter strategy, if you don't have access to it through official internal communication, then then reach out to business leaders who you might be working with. Or let's say you want to organize trainings and people aren't attending because their leadership doesn't support them taking time out of their day to attend trainings or they have too much work to do. Understand what's important to those leaders. Maybe it could be the head of a department or the head of a team. Once you understand that, you can figure out if it's even important to do this training. Maybe this was something decided by someone else totally removed from that team, figure out if it's even valuable to them. You're touching on a sensitive subject. Again, I always feel the need to excuse myself because I am afraid that my opinions are biased. Probably they are just like everybody else's opinions. But I think that in general, people and even L&D professionals don't question the why of delivering a specific training since we touched on this just now. So I think I think it's healthy to do this. Even before that situation happens, is it just a one-off or is it something that actually has to do with behavior change and is a different approach, more effective and so on? You must put yourself in a place where you understand the business and you understand the connection between what the business is trying to achieve and how people can help achieve that goal. And now we're going into supporting the people to develop themselves or to, you know, learn new skills, adopt new behaviors. Just while we're there, L&D has been trying to solve this mystery of how do we prove impact? How do we evaluate the success? And we've looked at 
to science. Business doesn't always follow what science has proven, but also some things are really hard to prove because of how complex humans are and how complex the business world is as well. I think that it's not going to be so crystal clear to prove impact if we're just looking at one aspect of everything that an employee is doing and everything that the team is doing even. And if we look at the traditional L&D approach, it has been to create more content, deliver more trainings, deliver more workshops. And I think that's increasingly becoming an outdated approach. And I think L&D needs to also become more and more transparent and into the background where employees know how to access learning when they need it. And you don't have to go behind them and push them to attend a training. It should be more infused into a broader culture of learning and performance where people are excited to grow and excited to learn. And then the L&D team is a resource that can support. Where do you think that the L&D function has the highest impact in light of what you just said? Is it in the creation, curation, delivery of resources, or is it in teaching people how to search for things themselves and to, you know, guiding them giving them the tools, but not fishing for them. Is this the right question to ask? It's really hard to reach every learner and improve their lives or improve their learning experience because a lot of learning ideally happens in the flow of work and we're not experts on what every other team is doing. I think the more strategic target would be leaders, so managers, Are they aware of their responsibility to develop their people? If not, can we work on that? And then can they help their team learn? Because they tend to know what's needed in the team. It could be as simple as encouraging people to take some time out of their workday to learn something. Is that even allowed in your company or is it seen as slacking off? I'm pretty sure there's no standard answer here and it definitely depends on culture. So I find myself coming back to culture again and again, and I think it's super important. But at the same time, the success of instilling a learning culture depends heavily on the topmost leaders in the company. And that comes back to how we started, which is to understand what matters to them. It doesn't always have to be through data points because that's so hard to achieve. It can also be understanding what they really value or consider important and then tying that into your storytelling when you talk about why learning is important. We're going a lot into the direction of employee experience, right? How it feels to work in this team. I have an uncomfortable question. What happens if you do all the right things, you speak to all the right people, they tell you what they want to achieve, especially the leadership team, but you notice that the behaviors and the responses in critical situations or in you know difficult and challenging times are not aligned with the reality of what they claim they want. There's a misalignment between what we preach and what we actually implement day to day. How does LND influence this? Should LND influence this? It's kind of like LND is in a very good position to observe there's a mismatch between what is said and what is actually done but is also lnd 
supposed to do anything about this, call it out, offer resources to change it? What's your opinion? This is actually a topic I'm working on at the moment, one that I'm really interested in. The way to do a sense check is obviously collecting feedback regularly. And how we do that is through employee engagement surveys. And here, I know that engagement is used in different ways within our field. So I'm not talking about how many learners engage with a certain piece of content or with a specific workshop. I'm talking about how engaged they feel at work. So do they feel that they can do their best work at this company? Do they feel like there's a fit between what they're trying to achieve and what the company is trying to achieve? Do they feel appropriately recognized when they put in that extra work? Do they have good peer relationships, support from their manager? There's a lot of factors that come together to influence how engaged a person feels at work. This has also been linked to performance. So while it's a good thing for the employee, it's also equally good for the business to have engaged employees. And it's not L&D's job to fix everything that's not working. But I think we have the role of making sure someone's listening and making employees feel heard. So at least how we do it is to create reports from monthly surveys and then reach out. It doesn't have to be only through L&D. For instance, the people operations team or the HR team, they're usually the ones who are closest to different parts of the business, like HR business partners. So it could also just be highlighting to them like, hey, this department seems to be doing a little low on reward and recognition. Maybe we can look at our benefits that we offer. Our workload seems to be a problem for this team. Maybe we can work with the manager to figure out how we can reduce it. So at least calling it out, as you said, that's something we can do. And I think another problem is how we define L&D. And we can either continue to say L&D is very limited in its scope and its approach, or we can start to say L&D includes all of these things. I've seen a couple of conversations started, even by Lavina at Offbeat asking whether we should rename the function altogether because it has a bit of a history <laughs> behind it. Yeah. I also think it should be renamed. I don't know if it should be rescoped, but I also don't think I have a strong enough grasp of what the current scope is. What I've seen just in my few years of working is that even a few years ago, we had very distinct roles of this team creates a learning portfolio. And then this one person is only for organizing the trainings or scheduling meeting rooms and catering and all of that. And then it was a whole other person's job to do succession planning or just to track succession planning in the organization. The roles used to be very distinct. And I think now we're in a place where each employee needs to contribute so much more and needs to be able to do so much more. The team sizes also are probably getting you know, tighter. And so we have fewer people to do the job that a larger team used to do. I think this is one of the problems, right? I don't know if anyone can claim that this is the scope of L&D and really define its borders because you touch on so many types of information when you do your work or your analysis that it 
goes into performance, it goes into reward, into workload, into management practices, resourcing, and so on, that you find out so much just by trying to find out so little, right? LND people have access to the kind of information that can unlock a lot of things in the organization, improve culture, improve communication, leadership practices, performance, a lot of things, right? Just because you're asking one question, what's the problem? Can I help you with L&D stuff? But you get so much more information and then you become the vessel for that knowledge to start traveling to other places where it should actually land. And I know that maybe we're talking about something that the HRBP should be doing or the manager themselves should be doing even better. But nevertheless, a lot of the things land on L&D's lap, right? You're just the person who found out. And you know that also impacts your L&D strategy's effectiveness. Because no matter how much learning intervention you offer and how stellar the offering itself is, it's still going to be affected by that potential climate of people not feeling psychologically safe or not being 100% invested in their growth because they're 110% invested in keeping their job or something like that. I think the way to reconcile all of this could be to have a more unified people strategy among the different teams, because then you know that if there are blockers that you can rely on your sister teams within the people department to also pick up that side of it and to collaborate with them. It doesn't have to be owned by a specific team. It can also be a collaboration between teams. So for instance, the topic of culture is related to employer branding, but L&D also has a strong influence in how that culture is lived. And then the HRBP, when they speak to managers, need to reiterate those same messages. So I think it's a, a unified approach that would help us as L&D to be more effective as well. Do you think that performance is supposed to be on L&D's plate or not? I think it could go either way. Just speaking to people in the field, if you speak to L&D professionals, you have people who are doing performance and those who are far removed from it. So it kind of depends on how the organization set it up. I don't know what it should be. I think it's not so much about performance evaluation. I think it's about supporting people to do their best work. So are they clear on what's expected in that role? Are they clear of the expectations that they need to deliver on? Because that's what counts as good performance at the end of the day. So I think at least the work of defining expectations, having clear competency profiles, having an idea of what your next step could be or what you need to improve on. These are things that L&D could have a hand in. The reason I was asking is this. So since you mentioned this idea of a strong alignment between all the people functions to the point where everybody's relaying the same message to the decision makers, I think that maybe historically companies haven't necessarily done a good job of maintaining a consistency of their people strategy across functions. And I was thinking, is it because some parts of the people function aren't viewed as being relevant enough to be included in the strategy and trusted to put it into place? Because for example, I can see a scenario where you have the L&D team 
who's just delivering training, creating content, vendor management, et cetera, and people who do performance. And I feel that these two functions separately are existing at different speeds. One of them is very tied into the business goals and they understand that we need to do this, this, this super quickly, measurement, et cetera. Whereas L&D might still live in that universe of, oh, we're organizing training, hours of learning per year, da, da, da. But they're not necessarily existing in the same level of urgency, let's call it. And I was thinking if you unify these and you absolutely tie any learning intervention with a performance output or expectation of improvement, then L&D becomes more strategic, is perceived as more strategic. Therefore, they're invited to contribute to the strategy. They can insist on that alignment of messages between all the people functions and so on. I don't know. I'm thinking out loud here. I'm actually coming back to the topic of renaming L&D because I don't think that L&D and OD are that distinct. Ideally, the same person looks at it through an L&D lens and then through an OD lens and through a talent management lens. That's the ideal. And I think that's what we should be striving towards as professionals in the field. The skills that are needed for these different little parts of <laughs> L&D, OD, performance, competency profiles, why can't we do it all? This is actually a very interesting topic. There's also this aspect of one person is expected to do so many things, do the instructional design part, do the admin and whatever scheduling and whatever invoicing and so on, do the needs analysis and consultancy component, maybe also, if possible, implement a leadership academy or program on the side and all of this. So there are also voices that say that the LND person is expected to wear so many hats and do so many things that even for them, it's hard to discern what is it that I'm doing, right? Why am I here? What's the one or three goals that I'm supposed to achieve? And can I be excellent in all of these areas? Because, I mean, it's hard, right, to be excellent in all of these areas. And then talking about the rebranding or increased scope, is that feasible? I don't know. Is it okay to do this? Because I feel instinctively that we should be sort of unifying the threads in a way. I'm tempted to say that the threads should be unified under something like employee experience as a mission, right, of the people function. Employee experience and performance, I guess. But it's a lot. I would go right? for that. <laughs> It is a lot. I think we're also talking about maybe different scales of operation. In my head, when I'm talking now, I'm thinking of a startup or a scale up where it is a bit more fluid across these departments. You don't even have separate departments doing these things or different teams doing these things. In my team, we do all of this already. Whereas I have also worked in larger organizations, as I said, where there was like a separate team for talent management and a separate team for learning. So it depends on how many employees you're trying to serve. Again, what is the people team's strategy or your HR strategy? And what is the trade-off there? Is training, creation, and delivery really important? Then yeah, hire how many other people you need to do that. And here I'm talking to people who are maybe at that level where they can influence how the team is set up. So if you're creating job descriptions or 
just setting up an L&D team, why not have it open so that the person filling that role can do a little bit of everything? Because this also builds that person's understanding. In my experience, it really has been helpful to see problems through these different lenses. I think so far we've managed to successfully explain or say again why this is such a complex role and why it has so many facets. I mean, you're working with people, which in itself has a high level of complexity. You know, it's unpredictable. It's subjective. There is obviously data, but even the data itself has this flavor of subjectivity, right? Because it has to deal with people's opinions, their impressions, if they're having a good day, if the program was right for them and so on. How does an L&D professional stay on top of their game? How do you do it? What's your advice to become this kind of professional who can handle this complexity of work? In my own work experience so far, I was really lucky to start with a consulting role that, you know, wasn't focused on that organization's internal L&D, but was looking from the outside in and seeing different sizes of organizations, different industries that they were operating in, and all kinds of people-related challenges that they were coming to us for. And it wasn't only learning related, since it was HR consulting. Sometimes it was about creating an assessment that would help people hire new people. Sometimes it was to develop their managers or even something as abstract as improving customer centricity among salespeople. So there was a variety of projects. And I think that already gave me this foundation that you don't need to solve all these problems in the same way. And it set the tone for really listening to what people's need is and then trying to customize a solution that would work there. And then with each subsequent role that I had, there were some elements where I could bring my previous experience and use it. But I also really enjoyed having things that were new to me and that I hadn't done before and sort of adding them to my collection of different kinds of projects now. And that really brings me more energy when I can work on new topics that are somehow connected, but where I'm not always the expert. I take it from here that you have a healthy level of curiosity and you're not afraid to dive into something that you don't have a complete understanding of. Yeah. And if I had to give a suggestion to other L&D people, even when you go to a conference, do you attend the talks that are connected to your work now? Or do you also attend a few where you have no idea what you're going to get? Because I try to mix it up. So I look at the agenda and I'm like, okay, these are things that I'm working on now where I could get some insights. But these are things that I would really love to learn more about because I don't feel super comfortable in them. And I think that's a good balance because you don't want to lose the opportunity to be a well-informed expert in some of those discussions because you get the sense of achievement, you are able to connect the dots more easily, you're able to take the insights more easily when you attend, let's say, a talk or read a book about something that you're already familiar with. There is some value to that as well because you're building on your strengths, but then yeah, also explore what's out there. What kind of things do you follow? Do you subscribe to stuff? What kind of events do you attend? What kind of books do you read? Can you give some recommendations or some things that 
you know, made you think or made you have an aha moment or made you very enthusiastic about something? I recently got a recommendation to buy this book called Employee Experience by Design. And this was recommended also by an L&D leader, Michelle. I like the concept of looking at it as a whole employee experience, like we talked about, because there you're bringing in the UX lens of this is an experience that we're designing, which I think L&D is already doing quite a bit. When we create trainings or when we do learning experience design, we are thinking about the user experience. Then there's also this lens of looking at employees as customers. So in terms of organizing it as a campaign or creating branding and marketing for what you're doing and catching their attention, keeping them through storytelling. And then, of course, the people side of things as well. So, yeah, I think that's been an interesting concept to learn about recently. I also noticed at the Learning Technologies Conference that there was already some material outside of L&D. For instance, there was the skills matrix and, you know, talent management kind of topics. But I would hope that my next conference is even wider, looking at the people experience even wider, looking at culture or... I wish there was just a people conference. <laughs> Maybe we'll set one up together. We'll find a bunch of other people who are interested in the same thing. What kind of voices do you listen to? Do you follow some people in particular? I think we probably follow some similar people. Lavinia is doing a great job. So Offbeat is the only newsletter that I subscribe to at the moment. <laughs> and I also think that Lavinia and Millie together with their podcast are doing a great job in broadening L&D's perspectives, just as we were describing. There's so much beyond what we're already doing. And I think that this is a great approach. There's so much that we can learn from just by talking to other people. They don't even have to be other people in our organization, but just your friends and your network, learning about how they view work and how they view learning can give you more honest feedback than maybe what your learners and your subject matter experts would tell you. If you hear a friend complaining about their L&D people, then you know <laughs> you've hit the jackpot. I think L&D has so many strengths. L&D professionals, whether we look at it as instructional designers or the wider set, we truly care about employees and there's definitely value in the skills that we bring. We, like so many people in the field, also are looking at the psychology of things. Many people now are starting to work towards getting a better understanding of the business and being more strategic partners. So I'm optimistic that we're heading in the right direction. I think that we are in a very fortunate moment in history, let's say, because obviously with AI and everything that's going on, it will make it so much easier to quickly access a giant amount of data, something that would have taken years, months or whatever to do. And this newfound curiosity for what's actually going on in the brain, in the organization, in business. I agree. I feel that the L&D professional is uniquely positioned to understand so many things that they are also uniquely positioned to influence so many things within the organization. Yeah. I think sometimes we just need to be more confident about our value to the business and our value to employees. We've been sort of on the back foot trying to reactively prove our impact, but we know that we're having an impact and I think we just got to keep doing what we're doing. Can I ask you, what 
you do to advocate for your role in the organization? Do you actively do regular check-ins or do you present outcomes of something or what's your advice to building that confidence to speak out and to argue the case for investing in development or for supporting the L&D function more? I think I've been fortunate in that learning and personal growth is valued at my company already. The leaders are also quite involved in what's happening. So we don't have to go back to them and catch them up on months of work. They are quite closely involved in the things that we're doing and supportive of it. There are times when there are decisions made that maybe they haven't looked at all the angles and then we offer our perspective on it. And I think that one of the strongest ways of how we have impact is also through this engagement survey that I mentioned, bringing to light what's not working. And then most people have the intention to improve things based on the feedback that we're getting. What's a healthy frequency for the engagement survey, in your opinion? That's what we're trying to find out. So I would love to know as well. <laughs> There's definitely a trade-off. We want to have very frequent check-ins, but we also understand that it can be tiring for people who are filling the survey and also potentially overwhelming for managers who need to take action based on the team's input. So we're trying to figure that out at the moment. It's also a matter of how many things you want to ask. So we are also trying to scale back the number of questions and focus on what we really, really need to know. Out of curiosity, what's your opinion on those post things when you are just asked one question or just have to do a smiley face for them to gauge your engagement or satisfaction? I know companies that do pulse surveys, and I think that could be a good way to ask one or two specific questions without a survey that's 60 questions long. But I definitely am not a fan of the smiley face version of it. Maybe, you know, just a numerical scale or something that's clear what's on the good end, what's neutral, what's negative. This has been a very good conversation. I almost want to say soothing in a way, but it still <laughs> has raised some questions or has reinforced some questions that I still have about where L&D sits in the organization. Let's try to summarize what we've talked about and see if we can find some actionable advice related to the role of the L&D function in the business. Where does L&D sit and why does it sit there? In terms of organization structure, I think usually it sits in the people team, which isn't a problem on its own. I have seen cases where it's part of a strategy team, which is more interdisciplinary. That could be cool as well. There's no one size fits all. It depends on the size and complexity of the organization. What's more important, I would say, is that L&D is very close to the business, even if it's in the people team, that it should understand the impact towards the broader people strategy and how the people strategy is working to support the business strategy. So I think it should be clearly cascaded business strategy to people, to L&D, and that L&D doesn't have to tackle everything on its own, but works with the other teams under the people department. I think it's also important that L&D continues to have the employees back and to strongly empathize with what they are going through, what their needs are, how to best serve them. 
the people team in a broader sense is the team that's there to protect employee interests, to help them grow and develop and thrive. And the better we do our work, the longer employees are willing to stay at the company. And that's also quite a direct impact on how we serve the business. Because if we keep those talented people in the company longer, they have more and more to offer. And if they feel taken care of, then they put in more effort and they want to contribute more and have more impact and therefore they perform better. Almost like you're the guardian of a good climate in which performance happens. And you have the ability to find out various things that have to do with learning, but also have to do with other stuff that's happening in the organization. You have the ability to offer them the development opportunities. And you also have this wider understanding that if they're comfortable, happy, if their needs are met, that they will indeed stick around longer and do their best work and basically add the most value that they could to the organization while, I guess, adding value to themselves. Absolutely. What can the L&D professional do to become that optimal support partner? Well, we've spoken about the need for us to keep learning beyond what we're already experts in or beyond our existing specialty. How can we continue to have a generalist mindset, a holistic mindset to approach problems through different lenses? I think the second part would be to speak the language that the business understands in order to prove your impact more easily. And then when you've done these things, you're basically in a really good position to work effectively. So the third element would then be to have confidence in the impact that you are creating. I just add another question, which is if you're taking care of employees, who's taking care of you? Whose job is it to keep the L&D professional engaged? This is really tricky. I don't know. Hopefully you have a manager that's also taking care of you. <laughs> I think L&D is in this weird position where we have other people's backs, but we're often left in the dark or not recognized enough for how much we're doing, simply because impact is so hard to measure. But we have amazing communities. So this is where I get my refueling of energy is just meeting with other people in our learning and development networks like the L&D Shakers or even going to local meetups of people who do similar work. And it serves two purposes. So you always find people who are doing a slightly different version of L&D or different topics entirely. But these are people with the same kind of heart and soul and the same kind of being a guardian of the employee kind of mindset. And then you know you're not alone. And there's something soothing in talking to other people who are going through the same thing. I'm very happy that you said that. I wholeheartedly agree. I think it's super important to find people with similar objectives, also sometimes similar struggles, similar questions, 
I guess that's why social learning is so effective, right? Because we learn by asking questions, by comparing opinions, by confessing challenges and asking for support. Thank you for saying that. We're so often expected to have all the answers, but then you can go to these communities and that's a place where you can just ask more questions. I can't thank you enough. I really, really appreciate the level of depth we went into. I'm trying to figure out a way to draw a conclusion, maybe even for myself, to know what to take away from this. It's very true that the L&D role is, I guess, conflicting in a way. It's in a unique position to have access to a lot of information about the organization. Its purpose is to support growth of people, of the business. It has the ability to influence some aspects, professional growth and so on, but it also has the ability to pull the alarm signal. You are probably one of the first departments that finds out if there's something that we need to do about culture or management or leadership or something like that. You have access to so much information and you could have so much influence that you're also trying hard to prove your worth. I'm hoping that this becomes more and more obvious and it becomes more the conversation that we have. Yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for being with me today. I deeply admire you as a professional in LND. I think you're doing all the right things and you're sending all the right messages. So I salute you for that. Do you have any last thoughts or any sort of go-to advice or something that you would like to encourage LND professionals to do? I think just one learning from the conference where we met that I would share is that it keeps coming up that we can't predict what skills will be needed for the future. It's really hard to predict what skills will be required a few years down the line. But there are some skills that are strong bets that are likely to be helpful. And that's learning agility, curiosity, openness, and a generalist mindset so that we're able to be fluid no matter what comes up. And I think that in our field, people are pretty good at this already, but I would just like to call it out as something we can continue to build on. Diksha, thank you so much for spending time with me today. It was a pleasure. Thanks for creating this safe space for us to bounce ideas off of each other. Everybody, I hope you found this conversation useful and stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you so much for being with us today. This has been another episode of LND Spotlight. If you'd like to get in touch and join the conversation, write to me at liz at niftylearning.io or connect with me on LinkedIn at Liz Stefan. Have a productive week, everyone.